Welcome to this very special episode of the QNS podcast. Today, we're getting into the special election for Queensborough president that takes place on March 24th. But the reason we're releasing it on this special day is because early voting begins on March 14th. That's 10 days before the official election. By the way, I'm Jacob Kay. And I'm Angelica Acevedo. Today, we're going to talk about the candidates. We're going to talk about early voting so you know where to go and what to do. And we'll talk a little bit about the future because in a couple months after this special election, Queens residents will head back to the polls to vote again for the Queens Borough President. All right, so first things first, let's talk about what the Borough President is and what they do. Well, they're the Borough's top executive and they're kind of like the head of the Borough, but their power is pretty limited. They give their recommendations on land use projects going through the city's uniform land use review process. They appoint people to the borough's community boards and they advocate for the borough during the city's budgeting season. So even though their power is somewhat limited, the powers they do have are still pretty important. And most importantly, they act as an advocate and cheerleader for the borough. If you've forgotten, Melinda Katz was Queen's last borough president, but the seat was left empty when she was elected as Queen's district attorney, where she currently is serving. Sharon Lee, who was Kat's deputy, is now serving as the acting Queensborough president. But now there are six people running in this special election hoping to be borough president, at least until November, which we'll explain a little more later. Angelica recently helped moderate a debate between the candidates, so we're going to be using some of that tape from that event to hear more from the candidates on this show. But for now, let's just get into the candidates. And we're going to go in alphabetical order so we don't upset anyone. First up, City Councilman Costa Constantinides. Constantinides was first elected to represent Astoria in 2013, and then he was elected again in 2017. He's really championed environmental issues, which he feels affects his district in a major way. Two of his district's four sides are on the water. Let's take a listen to some of his opening statement at the debate Angelica moderated in North Shore Towers. He's going to talk about one of the main ideas he's been sharing on the campaign trail, satellite offices for the borough president's office. We need to make sure we get uh, Queen's Time. borough president out of out of, of Queens Boulevard and have satellite offices to reach out to every neighborhood. Thank you. Constantinides also wants to focus on schools in Queens, specifically advocating for more space for students so that no child has to learn in a trailer. And he also says he'll advocate for better public transportation throughout the borough by getting a Queens representative on the MTA board. Okay, who's next? Next is former city councilwoman Elizabeth Crowley. Let's take a listen to her opening statement. Queens does not get its fair share even though we pay the highest taxes in the whole city, our property taxes. Crowley represented Glendale, Maspeth, Middle Village, and Ridgewood in the city council from 2009 until 2017, when she lost to current councilman Robert Holden. Her big idea for Queens is fighting for the borough's fair share. She feels that the borough has gotten the short end of the stick for too long, and she's going to fight so that Queens gets the money and the consideration it deserves. Okay, moving on. Next up is Anthony Miranda. Miranda is a former NYPD sergeant and a former chairman of the National Latino Officers Association. And he's talked a lot about how he's a progressive voice, creating a grassroots movement. In fact, his campaign manager also was AOC's campaign manager for a time back in 2018. One, I believe we also need to start empowering the community boards and making sure that they are, have the right personnel, the right reflection of the communities that they're serving, and that they have the support services they need to make sure that they're representing the interests of the community residents. So Miranda says he's pretty focused on making sure community boards reflect the community they represent, which is a power the borough president actually has. In fact, his campaign is really focused on giving a voice to communities who have typically been left out of the conversation, something he knows well, according to him, because he's not a politician. That brings us to our next candidate, 
Jim Quinn. Quinn served in the Queens County DA's office for 42 years, and he's lived his whole life in the borough, as have most of the other candidates. He's a registered Democrat, but his campaign committee is made up of Republicans. He supports Donald Trump, and his policy positions are rather conservative. But his policy positions really boil down to just one thing. When I watched the, 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 the debate about Rikers, uh, and I'm just using that as an example, the inaccuracies, the, uh, uh, the anecdotes that were used to justify closing down a jail that had 10,000 prisoners in it at one time, uh, and building jails in communities all over the, the county, all over the city, I think it's just irresponsible. So he wants to keep Rikers open, eliminate the many criminal justice reforms enacted in the past year, and prevent a borough-based jail program. But as we mentioned before, none of that falls under the scope of the power that the borough president has. So while he can certainly push for his positions as borough president, his ability to actually affect criminal justice in Queens is pretty limited. Next! Next up, we have Donovan Richards. Richards has been a Southeast Queen City Councilman since 2013, and he has served on several committees that he sees as crucial experience for his bid for borough president. He was on the Committee on Environmental Protection, he was the zoning chair, and he was the chair of the Committee on Public Safety, three issues he says are the most major issues facing Queens right now. Climate, development, and public safety. Let's listen to some of his opening statement. Another thing we can do as well is ensure that we're creating more space for entrepreneurs. Business incubators are something we need to see leveraged in Queens and expanded, and especially in an emerging world where we're seeing more tech come into Queens because although Amazon left, Long Island City is still booming with the tech industry. Richards, importantly, has gotten the support of the Queens Democratic Party. He's also been supported by a handful of labor unions across the city, and he's raised a decent amount of money. Also, he was endorsed by Claire Shulman, the longtime former borough president. Okay, so last but not least, we have Dao Yin. Now, unfortunately, Yin didn't respond to a request for an interview with us, and he hasn't shown up to as many debates as the other candidates. He wasn't at the debate that I moderated either, so we don't have any tape from him. But we do know a few things about him. Yin is a businessman from Bayside, and he's focused his campaign around increasing the partnership between business and government. He laments the loss of Amazon and wants to see more big business come into the borough. He's also proposing a 10% city rent tax credit to help with the cost of living, although it's unclear how he would implement such a thing as borough president. Okay, so there's your primer on the candidates, and now we're going to talk a little more about some of the big issues facing Queens and where candidates stand on those issues. The transportation system in Queens is a big talking point in the race, and rightfully so. With the MTA's new bus redesign plan, Queens residents throughout the borough feel like they're going to lose one of their most used forms of transportation. That's why each candidate has made transportation one of their top priorities. Constantinides said the MTA admitted to making poor assumptions about buses in Queens, which is due to the fact that they don't know the borough. He also made a proposal to have a Queens representative in the MTA's board if they won't give municipal control. Crowley said that the entire bus redesign should be thrown out. She's also advocating for more railways that'll connect the rest of the borough with Brooklyn and the Bronx. We have to look at creative ways of reducing our overall Long Island Railroad and make it more like a one-swipe metro card for city residents. At the end of the day, we're subsidizing. New York City is subsidizing these railroads, and we're not getting our fair share back. Miranda thinks that the transportation system is too Manhattan-centric. 
He also thinks that when it comes to making the transportation system better, the community's voice needs to be heard. So as borough president, he'd hold public hearings for the community to talk directly to the MTA. Richards, who's an appointee to the mayor's bus advisory board, supports both the LaGuardia Air Train and the BQX project. He thinks that transportation expansion is necessary in ensuring people are drawn into small businesses. Quinn, for the most part, believes that before the city and state try to implement new trains and other transportation services, they should first fix the existing options. Like Richards, Yin supports the LaGuardia Air Train because it'll create more jobs but thinks that the MTA should improve their services and add more express buses. Okay, so another big issue in the borough is bail reform and crime. Now, as we mentioned before, the borough president has little power to make any actual change in regards to either of these issues, but that hasn't stopped at least one of them from mentioning it a lot. This bail reform, bail reform law was passed by the state legislature in the middle of the night on April Fool's Day. It is a joke. It is an absolute joke. Let me tell you something about that law. It was passed based, there were all these stories that people were telling, how people would stop for turnstile jumping and spend months in jail on Rikers Island, where they stopped for small amounts of marijuana and they spent months in jail on Rikers Island because they couldn't afford bail. That was a lie. That's Jim Quinn again discussing Rikers Island. But he hasn't been the only one to talk about these issues. Anthony Miranda, who has spent most of his career in law enforcement, has an opinion on some of the recent criminal justice reforms, including bail reform. I think that when they started passing the laws, they didn't have law enforcement voice at all making these decisions. They, another voice that was extremely missing from this conversation was the voice of victims. No victims organization was part of these conversations. None of the families of survivors, none of the people whose lives were impacted were a part of this conversation. We had a system that was broke with far too long. There were abuses that were going on, and it was gone, going on unchecked. And then it went on so long, it's like a snapping a rubber band. It's so far on one right that it snapped, and now it's all, all the way on the other side. Crowley kind of agrees. She expressed concern over the slight bump up in the crime rate in recent months, but didn't mention any actionable plan to combat it. Again, though, her power would be limited in doing so. Richards and Constantinides both support the new bail law and the general push for reforms within criminal justice in New York. While they both obviously want justice for victims of crimes, they maintain that the new laws aren't the cause of the uptick in crime and still believe in the values that led them to fight for criminal justice reform in the first place. It's unclear to us where Yin stands on these issues. As we mentioned before, we haven't had the opportunity to speak with him. So the biggest story from the last year in Queens obviously was Amazon. The business giant decided to scrap their plans to build their second headquarters in Long Island City after backlash from the community proved too much for them. But Amazon's fate was kind of representative of some other major issues in the borough, most notably general development and the lack of affordable housing. Constantinides spoke out against Amazon before they decided to trash their plans. Let's take a listen to why he took that view and that stance. But at the end of the day, you know, Amazon, I felt, was not a good deal for the borough of Queens. They were, they, I mean, you know, Jeff Bezos is the richest man in the world. He's not a small business. But I heard from small businesses that there were some real challenges. I heard from people in my community, what's gonna happen when I'm pushed out? My rent goes up. What's gonna happen when my business can't compete with Amazon? What's gonna happen when the trains are overcrowded and there's no new investment and no new promises? What's going to happen when they're not union jobs as part of this and it's a race to the bottom? How do we fix that? 
And Amazon didn't have the answers to that question. Of course, it would depend on what the project is, but it's pretty fair to say that Constantinides might not give his recommendation on a major development as borough president, something that the borough president does have the power to do. On the other hand, Richards, for the most part, supported Amazon and in general supports development in the borough. Another thing we can do as well is ensure that we're creating more space for entrepreneurs. Business incubators are something we need to see leveraged in Queens and expanded, and especially in an emerging world where we're seeing more tech come into Queens because although Amazon left, Long Island City is still booming with the tech industry. He's talked a lot about how it's helped his Southeast Queens community in recent years. He stresses, though, that development must be done in a way that engages the community. He also notes that when the city engages with these developers and creates these ambitious developments, they must not forget about the people who already live there and the prices they pay for their homes and in rent. So it's pretty fair to say that he might support a major development as borough president. Based on what he said, Miranda seems like he would also support a development project as long as they make community engagement a serious priority. The same can be said for Crowley. Quinn hasn't said much about his view on private development, although... As we mentioned before, he thinks the Port Authority has kind of bungled the LaGuardia air train project. Okay, so now we all know a little about who the candidates are and some of the positions they have, but there's one very important thing we haven't talked about. So this is a special election, and as such, no one is running under a major party line. But Melinda Katz's original term was going to end this coming November. So in June, we'll be having a primary, just like a regular primary, and then in November, we'll have a general election for borough president again. It seems pretty likely that we'll see a lot of the same faces for those two elections, so all this stuff is still really important. Plus, whoever wins will be borough president for a little less than a year, which is not nothing. Early voting, as we mentioned, begins on Saturday, March 14th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. So you'll be able to vote every day after that until March 22nd, although the times vary day to day. There will be no voting on March 23rd, and then the full election day will take place on March 24th. There are 18 locations throughout the borough where you can vote. All the locations and times are available at vote.nyc. So that's it. Thank you so much for tuning in and get out there and vote for your next Queensboro president. A final note, we're going to be taking a short break from the podcast, so we will not be releasing an episode next week. But we'll be back soon, and we thank you again for listening. This episode was co-produced and co-hosted by Angelica Acevedo and me, Jacob Kay. I also edited and mixed the episode. Our reporters are Bill Perry, Jenna Bagkal, Carlotta Muhammad, Max Parrott, Angelica, and me. Our editor is Zach Welb. Music by Blue Dot Sessions. Published by Schneps Media. See you soon. See you next week.